happy Monday and welcome back to Never Work A Day podcast with your host, Kelly Gibney. On today's episode, we have Sam Fair, who has so many jobs. I don't know how she has enough hours in the day to complete them all, but she does and she does it well. And with a smile on her face, before you do anything, of course, though, go rate, review and subscribe on whatever platform you listen to this podcast. Give it five stars. Go crazy. And now, without further ado, here's this week's episode with Sam Fair. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Never Work a Day podcast with your host, Kelly Gibney. On today's episode, we have Sam Fair, who is the assistant to the editor-in-chief at Cosmo, a founder and CEO of her own online boutique brunch club, a freelance consultant, and a content creator. Am I missing anything, Sam? I don't think so, although new things pop up every day. (laughs) Fair enough. Well, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. Excited to be here. So I just want to like jump right in. You are a woman of many trades. You have many different business pursuits. Growing up, were you always this career-minded and with so many aspirations? Yes, <laughs> is the short answer. I can't remember a time when I could sit still. From a very young age, I was super active, just always wanted something to do. Um, I grew up dancing and doing gymnastics, both of which are enormous time commitments. And yeah. um, then I started playing tennis. Like It was as if the extracurriculars were just not enough. Um, <laughs> I always had like 10 things on my plate, even as a child. And you know, all of those things eventually kind of require you to pick one because you're going to school full time, like 35 hours a week, and then you only have yeah. so many hours in the day. Um, so I ended up pursuing dance. I danced 40 hours a week on top of going to school 35 hours a week. Um, Wait, you know, what dance studio did you go to? Um, it's called Dance Innovations in uh, Chatham, New Jersey. But I also studied okay. at New Jersey Dance Theater Ensemble. I studied at Alvin Ailey and Joffrey yeah. Ballet, um, all kinds of places all over the city and all over New Jersey. And it was, yeah, I'm from, I'm from Ridgewood. So I danced at, uh, in the spotlight. Wow. Uh, I don't know if we ever like encountered you guys at competitions or something, I was but gonna say, we probably I was, competed. Yeah. Like big in that world up until like freshman year when I had to decide dancer lacrosse. Yeah. And there it goes. I mean, it, it yeah. really, I think, you know, it, I always say that everybody who was once a dancer is now like someone with eight side hustles, you learn, you really have to balance. There's so much discipline that you learn um, in a dance studio. And I really do think it was super formative for me and kind of turned me into the crazy person I am today. Um, (laughs) But it all, you know, it was always like that. And then as soon as I was old enough to figure it out, I was looking for ways to make money. Um, You know, always, you know, looking for internships, looking for jobs, offering myself you know, offering myself up for free to do work for people. I just always wanted to get involved. So, um, you know, I've known that I wanted or what I wanted to be since I was literally a child. And I don't think I've ever once slowed down in pursuit of it. That's so awesome. So when you say like, you know what you wanted to be, does like, does that mean you knew you wanted to go into journalism? Like you knew you had your interest in fashion? Like where, where was your like kind of mindset headed? 
So this is kind of a funny little anecdote, but is it, I think it's really like insightful. My mom t- tells it to me all the time. It's a story from when I was a little kid. Um, she and my Nana took me to Arizona and they had all these little summer sundresses for me. It was like 108 degrees Fahrenheit, like dead ass. Oh my God. Hottest. No, thank you. Ever. I was like three years old, maybe four max. And they had all these little summery sundresses for me um, because it was so hot. And they were like, you are going to smother in anything else. So they had all these little outfits for me. And I refused to wear them. And instead, all I wore the entire week we were there was tights and Mary Janes. Because oh my God. I was just like some kind of fashion diva when I was three years old. And I wouldn't <laughs> let anyone tell me what to wear. And I wanted to be like fancy and girly all the time. I was extra from day one. It is just so indicative of my personality. And I think it's such a funny little story. But, um, I, you know, it all that's kind of where it all started. I always was into clothes. And it, it was always a fun way for me to express myself. And I loved to experiment and to kind of test the waters. And so um, it started out being in love with fashion. So then when I was seven years old, I think, The Devil Wears Prada came out in theaters. And of course. Obviously. And it was rated PG-13. So my mom and dad went to see it the night before so that they could like screen it for me and make sure it was like appropriate. Um, Wait, that's adorable. I love that so much. I know. They like had a standing date night every like Thursday, but I wanted to see the movie. And my mom was like, well, you can't go see it unless like I check it first. So they spent their date night screening the movie for me, oh. which is hysterical, of course. They're the best parents. That's just another little anecdote that shows like how supportive they've always been. Yeah. Um. So my mom took me to see the movie and I, you know, walked out of that movie and I said, I'm going to be the editor in chief of a magazine one day. Um, Hell yeah. And, you know, here I am, you know, (laughs) dream. Um, So, you know, all throughout high school, I was taking, um, you know, relevant electives, TV production, creative writing, um, you know, English was always kind of my subject. And then in college, I chose the journalism major and um, I took a minor called multimedia authoring, which is all about graphic design and like, you know, web building and, um, all kinds of like digital skills that I thought were really important considering the current landscape of media. Um, And then, you know, my dream job came along and I went out and I was like, I need it. So I got it. Um, It's really been a lifelong pursuit. And it's funny because, you know, from day one, um, it was just, I want to be the editor in chief of a magazine. So I better get started. (laughs) Like that's not easy. Yeah, no, I mean, in no way, shape or form is that like a small career aspiration. And I think it's really cool that it happened so young. But like, I like, because you had this dream at such a young age, as you were growing up and pursuing it and doing things to like, help you get to where you wanted to go, were were there ever points where you were like, is this actually what I want to do? Or was I just like, I really liked that movie? Like, were there any points where you kind of doubted or it was just all the way like everything that you did you were like yes I like it I like it I like it you know that's a really interesting question and I'm glad you asked it's funny a lot of people you know want to be the editor-in-chief of a magazine because it looks cool and it sounds cool and because that movie was cool and you know like there's I think a lot of like people aspire to you know be in that like boss bitch position and like calling shots at a big fashion magazine because it sounds cool. And then, um, you know, I think a lot of people totally underestimate the work that it takes to get there and the total grind that every single day is. It's one of the most competitive industries out there. Um, Oh, for sure. Work is incredibly taxing and incredibly 
demanding and um, incredibly diverse. You, I don't think I've had the same day twice in my life. And wow. Um, and the truth is, I think a lot of people once they start pursuing it, after they decide they want to do it, they start pursuing it and realize like, oh, like I hate this, or like, oh, I'm not cut out for this, and. Then they've spent their whole life wanting to be the editor-in-chief of whatever magazine, and then they have to like kind of start from square one. Um, but, you know, I started interning. I started, you know, just drowning myself in the content, and every single thing I was able to get my hands on, I fell in love with. And that's how I knew this would be it for me. It was just, yeah. you know, the more you're exposed to something, you know, they say familiarity breeds contempt, right? So you and your mm-hmm. best friend move into an apartment together, and then 10 days later, you hate each other because you spent every week. Luckily, that didn't happen for me. My roommates are the best thing that ever happened to me. But you know, that's, it's a popular saying for a reason. And, um, you know, a lot of times the more you have to work at something and the more you put into something, the more you start to resent it. And for me, it has been the complete opposite. Every single time I am afforded the opportunity to create something at work or in any of my other pursuits, really, all of which are very closely related. Um, it just, it kind of re-energizes my passion for it in the first place. And it just makes me more excited that I get to do something that I love every single day. Yeah, I think, I think that's, I think that's what it's all about. Like, if it's still exciting you after being interested in it for the past, what, like 14 years? Literally my entire life. (laughs) Like, it's, I think, I think it's this is it. Yeah, like, it's it. Yeah. <laughs> well, you you mentioned um, going to college, obviously, uh, and you went to Elon University. And something that's interesting, which I would love to hear more about, is that you graduated a semester early. So we are the same class. We we're both class of 2019, but you graduated December 2018 yeah. to start at Cosmo how how did that thought process kind of play out did they want you to start early were you already on track to graduate early like what made you decide to leave halfway through your senior year or I mean finish your senior year early to jump into the beginning of your dream job um there were a lot of factors in play there one of which was a very personal choice um I studied abroad the fall semester of my junior year Um, in Florence, Italy, which was the best four or five months probably of my entire life. Um, I saw 11 countries and 29 cities, I think it was, while I was there. And, you know, I have always been the kind of person for whom the world is never big enough. I just, I want to (laughs) see everything and get my hands on everything and, and eat everything and participate in everything. Like I just, I, the more world I learn about, the more world I you know, want to be a part of. And so that was a huge, really important experience for me in a lot of ways. One of which being that all, all of my friends decided to go to Barcelona and I really wanted to go somewhere by myself and meet new people and try new things and, you know, Good for you. something on my own. It was a hard decision. I'm not going to lie. And in the mm. beginning, I questioned it a lot because I was like, all of my best friends are about to live together for five months without me. Um, and, you know, I'm going to a new country with nobody I know. And everyone who, you know, a lot of kids, when they go abroad, they go in their group of friends. So I kind of yeah. went into this place where there were 10 groups of pre-existing friends. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to jump on in. But um, it totally was the right choice. Ultimately, everyone I know says I came back 10 years older. They're like, you like grew up in those four months. And there are a lot of things that make you grow up, right? Like I 
for example, like was in Munich for Oktoberfest. And then um, I left my wallet in the safe at the hotel and like had to figure out my way around Munich. And luckily, oh my God, spoke English there, but I had to like get a new train. And like, I, I had to go back to the hotel, like figure out my wallet situation, get back to the train station, totally miss my train, get on a new like form of transport to get back to Italy in time for my test the next day. Like it was a whole thing. And I didn't have a mom or dad or friend to like talk me through it. So I had to do that kind of stuff by myself. And that I think is, um, you know, how you grow up, you have to do it yourself. So when I got back to Elon, it, you know, it's a stark difference. I mean, it's, a very small school, as wonderful as it is. There are about 5,400 uh, students in undergrad. And, um, you know, you hang out, especially when you're in a sorority, you hang out with the same 150 people every day. So yeah. it felt suddenly like my world was tiny and suffocating. And um, as many opportunities as there are academically at Elon, I just felt like I needed the bigger world again. Um, so that was part of the reason I decided to graduate early. Also, I was way on track with my credits. I declared my major like my first day of class. Right away. Yeah. <laughs> so it definitely helped because I was able to start doing what I wanted to do very early on. All my credits were lined up. Um, and it was just a total stars aligning moment that my job listing went up when it did. It went up online yeah. exactly two weeks before my graduation date. Um, I applied the, I applied the actual instant it went up on the internet. Like, I don't <laughs> think they probably hadn't even hit enter yet. And my like, application <laughs> in their email and, um, literally it was an enormous whirlwind. I flew to New York, like the next day, had an interview with Jess, flew back to Elon, took a test that next day, then, uh, completed an edit test. And the next day I got a phone call being like, do you want this job? And I was like, I want oh, crap. <laughs> It was like, it went from zero to a hundred real quick. Um, Wait, that's amazing that it happened so quickly though. Like, I know. I feel like with a lot of jobs, like I know with my job search originally, like, God, it was like months of like going back and forth and then waiting two weeks after the last interview to see if you got an offer. And it's just like, I know. Oh my God, just let me know if you want me or not. But like, that's amazing that it happened so quick. <laughs> I know. Well, I am such a planner. I get really anxious when I have to wait on somebody else to make a decision. So I, it was really good for me, like emotionally and mentally to like have it all done with in four days. Um, let's just say I wrote myself a lot of affirmations that week uh, <laughs> and it was crazy. And, you know, it was the first job I had applied to. So it was, I feel, you know, really lucky that um, the timing worked out so well. And then, you know, I had been preparing for that moment literally for 20 years. So yeah. I was ready for it when it came. And, um, you know, I just couldn't have been more grateful that the timing worked out. Yeah, that's incredible. And like, totally feel you on the small school thing. Like I went to Colby College for the first years of college. And it's like less than 2000 kids. Oh my gosh. That's and cool. yeah, it, no, it literally was the size of Virgin High School. Like it's insane. Um, and it just like after two years, I was just like, wow, there's I need more than there. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Well, and there's nothing, you know, wrong with it. And a lot of people really throw no. in small school. And one of the things I actually liked best about Elon is that I think the largest class size during the time I was there was 35 students. So your professors yeah. know you so intimately. They know what you want to do when you grow up and they want to help you get there. Like they're very invested in you on an individual basis, which, you know, I think is not the case at a lot of schools. And so I felt super lucky to have that opportunity. Um, and academically, for that reason, I really do think smaller schools, like 
for me at least, are such a, a great investment in your, you know, curriculum. Oh, I 100% then, agree. But socially, you know, it's like it it's fine for two years. And then someone like me or someone like you, who's clearly so outgoing, we know everybody, you know, and that's kind of it. It's like, okay, well, I met everyone. Now what? Um, Done all the things. Now what? And so it gets to, it gets to feel small and then you, you know, you need more. And New York was always it for me. So I was like, I'm getting out. I'm going to the city. I'm, I'm ready for the rest of my life. And here it is. That's amazing. Yeah. No, that's amazing. So when you were at Elon, your Instagram had already kind of taken off. So you are also a content creator on, you just started YouTube and on Instagram as well. And that took off in what, like 2015? Uh, Yeah, I think 2015, 2016 is kind of when I started using it for business. So how, how was that like going to such a small school? Like, I mean, Elon, you don't have access to like a big city, uh, <laughs> but you're still managing this like Instagram. How was that like? So it was it was interesting. Um, I started college with about 1500 followers, which at the time was kind of a lot for like a normal yeah. because it was like early end. Um, so, you know, it I got, I don't know, a couple of thousand followers right off the bat because someone posted my picture on like total frat move or something, which was weird. And I was like, (laughs) we love that. But okay. Um, And then, you know, after that, it, I made my account public. And I think it's that the part, the part of making my account public that really um, made the big difference for me. After that, Pretty much every time I posted a picture, I gained 250 to 300 followers with holy crap with no growth strategy at all. That was pre analytics, pre data, pre pre strategy, pre influencers. Even I think the only influencer in the world was like Amy Song or something. You know, like there were no (laughs) a thing. So um, I grew from 1,500 followers uh, at the end of 2015, beginning of 2016, to over 56,000 by the time I got back from study abroad my junior year. So in about two years, I gained like 55,000 followers, um, which was a lot and very fast paced and completely organic. And um, when people ask me, you know, if if I ever like bought followers, I'm like, I have like 46,000 followers now. Like, no, like the time flows and the the demands become different. And I mean, now the market is so oversaturated with everyone and their mom is like influencing someone to buy something. So, you know, it's, it's a different landscape than it used to be. But I was like, if I were buying followers, I probably would have bought myself a million. Like, yeah. You know, like, <laughs> Why well, sell like it? <laughs> right. right. Um, like if I could do that, I'm just going to go the whole nine yards. So, <laughs> exactly. um, but yeah, it was a total trip and it's still, you know, I'm kind of regaining my footing in that space. I'm, um, expanding to different platforms. And, you know, instead of trying to grow right now, my entire focus and my entire goal is to just go really deep instead of far and wide. You know, um, I think for a long time, everyone's brain was like, I just want to get a million followers and like, I want to get famous and like whatever. And, um, you know, I definitely had that mindset when I was growing really fast. It's exciting. It's like thrilling to get 300 followers from a random post. But oh my god, yeah. Um, you know, when I really stepped back and looked at it, I was like, why am I doing this? It's for my followers. It's for people who look up to me and for people who want to do what I'm doing. And if I had someone helping me along the way the whole time, which, you know, I had supporters, but this was really like a one woman show. Um, and I was like, you know, if I really had someone 
just on the internet who I could just go see, look at their content, see how they got their job, like learn everything about what they do and like how to get there. That I think would have been a really big help to me. So um, it's something that I want to be able to do for my followers. And like, I realized that it's not about connecting with more of them. It's about connecting more intimately with the ones I do. Yeah, and you definitely. Know, if you want to grow, I can help you grow. But um, for me, that's just not it right now. That's not what's important to me right now. So it's been a journey and it has evolved at every turn. Um, it used to be about growth. Now it's about depth and, you know, it, it it has been a really exciting journey and something that I'm really, really grateful that I pursued initially because, you know, when it all starts, you don't know what it is. It's very foreign. It can be intimidating. And um, there's kind of a question of like, how much time are you willing to commit to this? And yeah, being the kind of person who wants to get my hands dirty and everything, I was like, let's just do it. Let's see how it goes. And here I am today. Um, and, you know, I... I'm so grateful for the 46,000 people who have stuck around with me this whole time. Um, a lot of them have been following since 2015, 2016, and that's really cool to see. And I probably name first and last names of like 50, 60 of my followers that I DM with regularly, like off the top of my head. Oh my God, I love that. I talk to them. I spend probably most of my time talking to people on my phone, talking to my followers in my DMs. And, um, you know, a lot of them turn into friends and a lot of them turn into like they need mentorship and a lot of, you know, so. Yeah, no, that's so cool. Such a rewarding experience. And I feel like the relationships I've built are the best gift of all. Yeah, that's actually a conversation I've had with, I think two people now on on this podcast is just like like 46,000 people right now took the time to press follow and are interested in your content like yeah like that like even like even if it's 50 people or 100 people it's like people are taking time because they want to engage in what you're putting out there and like that's where the energy I think should be and like yeah I think that's really cool that you have like shifted that focus. It's funny. I remember the day I hit 20,000 followers. I told my mom and she goes, that's Madison Square Garden. She was like, that's more. Than <laughs> oh my God. Imagine yeah. on the stage at Madison Square Garden. Like that's your followers right now. Like that's the people who. Did that ever scare you? Yeah. <laughs> that still scares me sometimes. <laughs> People like know where I live. I'm like, guys, chill. Um, yeah, it can be scary. Like you have to be really um, careful. You know, I mean, I'm I'm right now editing my New York City move-in vlog because a lot of people were like, I want to see you move in, and like they want to tour the apartment. And you know, I have to catch myself when I'm talking about like where I live. Sometimes, you know, like, um, oh, yeah, the city's a big place, but it's you know, there's a certain level of privacy that you really need to protect when you're in a position like this, and um, it's just that's important. Yeah, definitely. Well, jumping to another one of your business endeavors in February 2019, you started the online boutique brunch club. I did. What in? What inspired you to kind of pull that trigger? I know that you've you've said before that the fear, I suppose, of not getting the Cosmo job was like, I want to have something that I know I love. But like, what was that process of actually starting your own business and like taking on something that is kind of a big responsibility? Yeah, um, well, <laughs> it was, you know, not so much the fear of not getting the job of Cosmo, but the fear of not doing anything. 
Um, like I said earlier, I just, I need to be doing something. I cannot sit still and, you know, bonus points. If I can make money bonus, bonus points, if I can make my followers happy. Um, so, you know, I was talking to my mom one day, like literally the day I applied to the Cosmo job and I was like, what if I don't get it? And she was like, if you don't get it, you know, that you did everything in your power and it's not you. Like, you know, if it's, if you get it, it's just that they're looking for something different. You have done every single thing you could to make yourself the right candidate. You should have no regrets. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, I feel really good about that. So then I was saying, okay, but like, what if I don't get it in the sense that like, what the hell am I going to do? I'm graduating early. What do I do for six months? Like, you know, like, is there, do I stay at school and bartend? Like, what is the, what is the move? And we talked about it and it was actually her idea. We felt like, um, you know, selling clothes was a very natural extension of my brand because a lot of my followers came to me for fashion and, um, Instagram was just, you know, was and is my biggest platform. And, you know, a lot of the reason people are there with me is to see what I'm wearing. And so it felt very organic for us to move into clothes. And, um, the idea was if I don't get the job at Cosmo or if it doesn't start right away, like the job, then I will do this and this will be kind of what I do. And who knows if it'll be big, who knows if it won't take off at all. But if I make a hundred bucks, it was worth it. So yeah, we started doing it. Four days later, I had the job at Cosmo and I was like, okay, well now I don't really like want to give this up. Like I'm already kind of invested. Like we said, we're going to do it. I don't like to back down from that. So, um, <laughs> you know, I went on Christmas break and then January 2nd was my start date. So I had like three weeks when it was really like, go deep and go hard on it or don't do it at all. And I spent those three weeks with my mom, trademark, uh, you know, doing a trademark search on the name and building a website and looking for inventory. And um, it was just, you know, I think I, I, we, whatever, I don't think either one of us expected it to be what it is today. Um, it was kind of like a pastime, like passion project. And now I don't know what I would do without it. I, I don't think I could do life without it. And I love it. And um, again, it comes back to like, I have made really great friendships and really great relationships. And um, I think it always was kind of a thing for me that my followers had a piece of like my heart and my brain on Instagram, but now they have something they can touch, they can hold on to, they can wear. Um, and it, it really is so, you know, I participate in every part of the business. So it's, it's all coming directly from me to them. And, um, that feels really good. And I think it would be letting them down to stop now. So here we are (laughs) with five jobs. Oh yeah. I really like the idea of like having something physical, like a physical connection. I think that that's really, that's a, that's a cool way to look at it for sure. Um, but then, so with all of this, you also do consulting, but <laughs> with, with all of this stuff that you do, how do you manage your time? Oh girl, <laughs> I don't <laughs> like, even know if I do. Just, <laughs> um, you know, the truth is when it's all stuff you love, you want to make time for it. Yeah. Um, and that's like the point of this podcast is like, like never work a day in the sense of like every day you're doing something that you love and it doesn't feel like a job but more I still like to this day joke that like every time I get a paycheck from Cosmo I'm like wait I get paid too like (laughs) um because it really truly is all of it it's every single thing I do is a passion project and so um yeah time management is um 
sometimes something I struggle with. And, you know, I have a lot of, you know, different techniques and strategies and hacks and like organizational things that I do. I'm, I'm a chronic list maker. I'm a chronic no sleeper, you know, like I, mm-hmm. there are a lot of different kind of ways I manage that my time, but um, you know, quarantine has been really hard in the sense that I feel like I have no routine anymore. And it's really yeah, hard. I feel that <laughs> really hard for me to operate when I don't have a routine. And, um, you know, there are ways to make yourself a little routine, but it's never going to be the same as, you know, the routine you had in real life, if you will. So, um, I actually have been really hard on myself lately, really feeling like I've been dropping the ball on a lot of things. I'll forget something. I'll miss a deadline on something. I will, you know, like, keep promising myself I'm going to respond to that email. And then a month later, it's still sitting in my inbox. And then I feel like a dick, you know, <laughs> but yeah, um, it's lately, my focus has been on like, being kind to myself and and recognizing the volume of the work I do. And like that one person can't do it all in one day. And, um, you know, that is slowly becoming my number one time management hack is just, you know, if I drop the ball on something, apologize, do it, fix it and move on. Um, yeah. Instead of just kind of like soaking in your guilt for it, like over it for a month, like that's not productive and that's going to make you feel worse. And then you're going to drop the ball again and it'll compound and it's a vicious cycle. So, um, you know, as, as many hacks as I could give you right now, the truth is the, my favorite one of the moment is just when I need to take a nap, I take a nap. And when I need to, uh, close my laptop, I close my laptop. And, um, you know, as long as it all gets done, it's going to be okay. And I am, you know, so, so deadline oriented and it's really hard for me to let go of that, but it's something that I'm learning. I just need sometimes. So that's kind of where I'm at with that right now. Yeah. I, I really like that. I think that that's something that I have also been like trying to do and have been not preaching, but like trying to tell my friends when they're feeling stressed, especially during quarantine is like, we all need to just give ourselves a little bit of grace. Like it, it, the world is crazy right now and having no routine is difficult as hell. And like, I have similarly like dropped the ball on a few things in the past couple of weeks that I'm like, how, like, it's so uncharacteristic, but it's also like, okay, like, can we just take a step back and like, look at how crazy our days are now like we're surviving a pandemic there is so there's so much going on right now there's so much to survive emotionally and physically and mentally and you know sometimes it just feels like getting out of bed in the morning is a whole thing and yeah. Um, and then you have five jobs on top of it and you have <laughs> hundred DMs and, and, you know, at the end of the day, after working a full-time job till 6.30 PM and then starting your other job. And then after that, starting your other job, there are just days when, um, when that's not feasible and that's okay. And I think, um, one thing I'm really, really grateful for is that Cosmo people understand that everybody is kind of you know, being gentle with themselves and trying to take care of themselves amongst this too, because yeah, you all got to do your jobs. you got to put the work out there, but if you don't come out on the other side of it, okay, then it wasn't worth it. What was it worth? Yeah, exactly. What was it all for? Mm-hmm. But that's actually a very good segue into what I wanted to ask next was from an outsider's perspective, looking in you, it looks like your relationship with Jessica Pels is incredible um you've spoken about it before and just 
just from what from what I could see as an outsider. As someone who does have a lot of business endeavors outside of Cosmo, have you felt like supported by your like primary job, I'd say, at Cosmo to kind of do these other things? Because, I mean, that's definitely something that I've talked to with other people on this podcast, just like the fear of being an influencer in like interjecting on your your full-time job and your day job and how those things kind of intertwine like how has that experience been for you so I will always prioritize my full-time job and I will always prioritize Cosmo if that means throwing the rest of it away it's worth it it is the most yeah fulfilling the most empowering position I've ever held it is the thing in my life that makes me whole and that I am most grateful for and um, the truth is I feel beyond lucky that I don't have to throw everything else away I mean Jess herself and Hearst as a company are so so supportive of their employees and um, you know every time I start something new Jess is proud of me and excited for me not worried that I'm gonna you know start shirking my responsibilities at Cosmo yeah. um, because she knows where my priorities lie and they are with her all the time. Um, she knows I would do anything for her. I would follow her anywhere. And if that meant giving some other things up, then it will have been worth it. Um, it's, you know, sense of priority is something really, that's really important in um, this day and age when it's so common to have hybrid titles and multiple side hustles. And, um, you know, it's important to determine your level of commitment to each of those things and what it means if one of them forces you to give up the other. Um, but the truth is, Hearst is just a really wonderful, supportive company to work for. And I feel super grateful to be surrounded by the most creative, the most ambitious, the most talented people in the industry, if not in the world, every single day. And, um, you know, I think Hearst understands that stifling those creative voices and that creative energy would be worse in the long run for their business. So um, instead, they harness it and they, you know, they use it to their advantage. One example I love to talk about is my friend Katie at work. She's an extraordinarily talented illustrator, totally self-taught, didn't study in college, literally learned from like YouTube videos, but is extraordinarily wow. talented. And she designs for Cosmo and she started an account on Instagram the other day. It's called Katie is doodling. Totally look it up. Um, it's just a prime example of like, it's just a great showcase of her abilities. And, um, you know, she started it a couple weeks ago and was like putting out little cute pictures of Lizzo and like Billie Eilish. And, um, you know, everyone on the team was like, so, you know, in love with it because it was so cute. And now like literally three weeks later, it has like 25,000 followers. Oh my God. She's 28 K. Yeah, she's blowing up. Every time I look at her account, she has like 5,000 more followers than, than yesterday. Um, people like Ariana Grande have like liked and commented on her work. Demi Lovato reposted it. She's DMing with all these celebrities because they, you know, want uh, to repost her, her mask series. Like, and, and instead of being like, you know, you can't, you know, do this on the side. You can't run a business on the side. Hearst is like, that's sick. Can you do more of these illustrations for us? You know? That's so cool. And being yeah. able to, like, instead of 
squandering that opportunity. I think Hearst is just really great at recognizing the strengths of their employees and taking them and using them to make their content better. And so it allows the creative person to continue doing something they love and more of what they love. And then it allows Hearst to reap the benefits of that person's talent. And I think that's something that you don't find at a lot of companies. And I think, you know, I say this all the time, but I've never been, I never imagined that I would get so lucky as to find a place like that at my first job out of college. You know, I think a lot of people spend their whole lives looking for that. And I got it at age 21. So it, it really is such a dream. And I always feel so supported and, um, just really grateful for my family at Hearst. That's, that's so awesome. I'm really glad to hear that. Like we love, we love people empowering other people. Um, so you've, you've achieved so much already. And I mean, we know that the eventual goal is to be the editor in chief, but what are your aspirations going forward in the next couple of years? What do you see the near future looking like for you? Um, you know, it's funny. My whole life, I wanted to be the editor in chief of Cosmo and getting to Cosmo was my big pipe dream. And then I got to Cosmo and obviously I'm not the editor in chief yet, but it feels like suddenly I need to kind of refigure out what I want to be when I grow up. Um, because, <laughs> you know, I, it's a blessing and a curse. I really, you know, it's, it's an ever evolving journey. And the truth is I think the digital media landscape is going to look a lot different by the time I'm in a position to take on a, a leadership role. So who knows totally. what the end game is now is, you know, truthfully, I, I still so admire what Jess does and love, her job and every part of it, but I don't think it's going to be the same job when I'm, um, when I'm in that position. So, um, who knows if I'll ever be editor in chief or if I'll end up somewhere else the next couple of years, I are going to be for me about kind of narrowing it down and eliminating some options and pursuing other ones. I kind of, I got my foot in, I got where I wanted to be. Um, I got into the industry I wanted to be in. And along the way, I have learned so much and met the most amazing people and learned a lot about myself in the process. And I think in the next couple of years, it's time to kind of decide what my next position will be. And I think that next position is really going to inform the rest of my career, which is why I want to be really careful about that decision and really smart about it um, and really not rush into it. Um, it's, you know, I think your first job out of college is get your foot in the door in your industry. And if you're lucky at a company you love, and then the second job out of college is like, okay, now narrow it down. And then the third job is mm-hmm. narrow it down a little more and then, you know, so on and so forth. So, um, I don't know really what the next couple of years look like, you know, with this pandemic, there's a lot of unknown. Um, Totally. There's a lot of unknown, you know, in my own brain too. Like, what do I, what do I really want to, what do I want to do? I would love to um, create some kind of intersection of all of my different businesses, you know, and, and find a way to kind of bring all of the skills I've learned from all of those positions into kind of one culminating role. And I haven't quite identified what that is yet, but I am really confident that I will be able to find a home for myself in whatever position that is. Um, one of my favorite things to do is try something new and figure it out. So 
Um, I don't have all the answers yet, but I plan to learn them and I plan to learn them one at a time along the way um, through trial and error. And, you know, whatever it is, it's exciting because it's new and it's fresh and the landscape of the industry right now is evolving at an extraordinarily rapid pace. So, you know, oh, it's insane. <laughs> it might be different tomorrow than it does today. And that's okay. And I'm learning to kind of roll with the punches and evolve and adapt and um, be flexible to it and just kind of, um, you know, like see where it all kind of takes me. So I'm really yeah. excited. It feels like we're, I'm in a good position to start making decisions and that feels great. Yeah, and I'd be shocked if you did have everything figured out because there's so much life more to live. <laughs> I, I always say, like, I feel like, you know, I need to like make this decision right now or I need to get this done right now. And then I'm like, I'm 23. Like, take it easy, girl. Like, you don't have to do this right now or you don't have to make that decision right Same. now. Um, I've like, that's totally something that like, I like I'm currently going through like a job transition and and when I like started thinking about it I was like I need to like this next job that I have like that I'm gonna do has to be in the industry that I want to be in like this is the end all be all and then my parents were like okay you're 23 like yeah like chill literally are 23. my dad's like I've I won't disclose his age but he's like I still don't know what I want to do so like let's relax and take a step back like Seriously. There's so much more to figure out and things that may interest us and all that stuff. But like you said, like, I think you're in an, an incredible position to figure that thing, that stuff out. Yeah, it feels really good. I, it's, you know, I'm ready for some, for, to add more, you know, to evolve a mm -hmm. little bit and to um, grow a little bit. And I feel like I make my best decisions and do my best work when I'm ready for that change. I'm just waiting for the impetus, you know? Yeah, no, definitely. So, I mean, what what piece of advice do you, do you have? I'm I'm stuttering because I asked this question to a lot of people who had a career change or took a leap of faith to pursue something, but you you've known you've wanted this forever. How what piece of advice do you have for someone who wants to go after their dream job dream job but just doesn't know how or doesn't have the faith in themselves to actually reach it? There are so many things I want to say, and I can't <laughs> imagine any of them being articulate. Um, I think, you know, for me, you can identify your dream, you're off to a good start. Um, I think a lot of people, like I said earlier, I love if, they, that. if they think they know what they want to do, and then they start doing it, and they're like, oh, I hate this, or oh, I'm not cut out for this, that is a setback and that, you know, that takes a lot of time to kind of regroup and recalculate on that. Um, so I think, you know, identifying really what it is you want to do and then giving it a shot and, you know, making sure it's what you want to do is the best launch pad you can have. I think it's, it can be really intimidating and really hard to identify what that thing is because it's going to be your life's work. Um, and it's going to be the impact you make. And so, um, you know, I got lucky that I figured it out early on and it, you know, if you figure it out when you're 25, that's okay too. But, you know, I, I really think more than half the battle is figuring out what that thing is first and then taking it from yeah. there. Once you know what that thing is, I think, you know, the steps kind of show themselves along the way. You'll, 
you kind of figure it out as you go, but you have a general idea of what to do. But if you, a lot of people I think who struggle with, you know, what do I do to get myself to this career aren't really a hundred percent dead set on that being their career. Because if you want something badly enough, you figure out how to go get it. Um, yeah. And so that's, I think just getting really specific about what you want to do and um, identifying what's really important to you. That's half the battle. Yeah. I like that. I think that's definitely an interesting side of it that like is not always addressed. Like it's always like the be determined or, or, or the actual characteristics that you need to achieve it. But that's so true. Figuring out what that thing is that you want to achieve is maybe the hardest part. Like, and I think there's so many things to do. Thank God. It's like number one, because you got a lot of time to figure it out. Like I, I don't think I could like start over, you know? Yeah, no fair. Totally fair. Um, well, in the spirit of people empowering people, like we were saying, do you have a Instagram account that you are currently like loving the content that they're putting out? Many, many of them. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, quarantine, like people have popped off on Instagram yeah. on quarantine. quarantine. Seriously, so true. Um, so one that I'm really loving right now is called Black Owned Everything. Black period owned period everything. When I followed them, they had like, I don't know, like 7,000 followers or something. And a couple weeks later, they're currently at 105,000. Um, wow. And I just think for a couple of reasons. One, it's really indicative of the time we're living in. I think it's more important than ever to be supporting minority owned businesses and especially black owned businesses right now. Um, and the fact that so many people so quickly are rallying behind this mission, I think is really indicative of a lot of change that's being made right now in a positive direction. And, um, the people who run this account are, they just have really good taste and, um, the products and businesses they're highlighting are so wonderful. And the people who create for those businesses are so talented. And I just really have, um, put some effort lately behind like every time I need something, I see if I can buy it from a black owned brand before, you know, buying it from my regular like spot. That yeah, I totally. Um, and I think putting your money behind those communities is really important. And um, it just really has been something that's been really important to me. So um, that is a really great account to be following. It's, it's great for if you are looking for like a cute going out bag or like skincare or, you know, whatever it is um, this, this wine place. i'm i'm on it now wine, i've got yeah. everything they, they have this wine awesome. that looks incredible <laughs> yes so truly i think it's a really great um really great account and i think you know for people who are new to the conversation of allyship and um racial justice and systemic improvement this is a great place to start and putting your money behind communities of minority is a really great first step in that process. Yeah, I I'm really liking this Instagram. It, the aesthetic is Oh yeah. Soothing as well. for sure. <laughs> it's like very enjoyable to look at. Um but also yeah, I definitely am going to check out some of the products. It looks like they've got a a myriad of different things. Yes. Um everything So then Sorry, what would you say? <laughs> everything a girl can need and more. Yeah, literally. Um, so then to wrap up, do you want to plug yourself? Where can people find you? Where can people find your boutique, your YouTube videos, everything? Oh gosh, I have a lot of plugs. Okay. So yeah. Let's <laughs> do it. it from square one. 
Uh, my website is samfair.com. That one's easy um, for consulting. It's samfair.com slash consulting. My Instagram is at Samantha Fair. My YouTube, you can just search Samantha Fair. I think I'm the only one of me out there, uh, <laughs> at least right now. Um, what else do I do? My my boutique, shopthebrunchclub.com. We have an Instagram account at Eat Brunch Club. And um, I just started a food Instagram the other day. <laughs> so I'm going to oh put that too. My roommate and I, when we moved here, we were like, we just need to show off all the amazing food we're eating. So we started a food account. It's called Superfood NYC because the food is super and I want to hear nothing of it. So <laughs> wait, that's so funny. I feel like food accounts have like kind of taken like they were huge in like 2015 2014 and I feel like they've really taken a backseat totally but I'm like down for them to come back (laughs) trying to bring it back I think um you know for me it's always been a pipe dream to be like a famous food blogger but um (laughs) you know like that's like whatever it is but um it also just brings me joy because I I feel like there's a lot of pressure on your main Instagram account to post pictures that perform well statistically Um, And for me, that's photos of me and I get sick of seeing my face all the time. So it's fun for me to have another outlet to post pictures of something else. And it's a fun thing to do with my roommate who has been my best friend since I was like seven years old. So um, yeah, definitely a fun little thing that we're pursuing, but I felt like it, I need to plug it now. (laughs) Yeah, no, of course. And then I have to, I meant to ask this earlier, but right before we go, how did you come up with the name Eat Brunch Club? Oh my God, it was a journey. It was a journey. Um, <laughs> let's just say that it was my second name that I came up with. The first one was trademarked by another clothing company, Psy. Um, but Brunch Club, I it was kind of a long and winding road to arrive there. But I think for me, I was thinking of things um, that create community. And one of those things is sharing meals. and my all of my work has always been about creating community and creating relationships um but also you know the one meal that is the most instagrammable the cutest the most fun the most mimosa has always been brunch and it's something that i always come back to and it's my favorite meal of the day and it never will not be um and then you know there was we wanted it to be to feel a little bit exclusive to feel a little bit special and to feel like the you know this is for you and for nobody else. Um, mm-hmm. and so that's kind of where Brunch Club came from. And um, it is fun because there are a lot of like kind of play on words. There are a lot of opportunities there for fun branding. And, um, you know, because of having so many other jobs, I haven't even taken advantage of those opportunities yet. But um, I think I'm going to be doubling down soon completely, you know, tripling down on the branding and just going really hard on it. So that's how we got that name. Amazing. I love it. I'm excited. I mean, like Saturday brunch is not the same anymore, but not. I'm excited to for tomorrow because tomorrow's Saturday and I'm going to make it as brunchable as possible. Good for you. Deserve it. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being here. I've loved talking to you. But everyone, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on whatever platform you listen to this podcast. I want to know what you guys think. Sam, again, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. So fun talking to you. All right, everyone. Bye. See you next Monday.